why does the world hate me? I was going to be this soccer player and now I, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm no one. Mm. I'm a no one. What's the point? What's the point in being alive? I don't want to be here anymore. Ciao and welcome to Woke Wogs. I'm your host and resident wog, Jahara Volpe, here to navigate and facilitate conversations with the wogs within my community that inspire me and hopefully you too. Now, if you're not familiar or not familiar (laughs) with the term WOG, it's a racial slur aimed at Southern European immigrants in Australia back in the day that has now been reclaimed and is celebrated as an identity-affirming label. With that said, I want to draw attention to the ill use of this word still throughout the United Kingdom towards people from the East Indies, parts of Asia, and North Africa. I want to pay my deepest respects and understandings to what the mention of it may bring up in you. Now for some quick self-advertisement. Do you have an event coming up and need an MC to make it a moment to remember? Well, that's what I do. I curate the optimal flow to any type of event and connect audiences to the messages that organizers are yearning to convey. Sold? Great. Just DM me at the link attached and I can't wait to get involved. All right, in this episode, we unpack the resistance to oneself, the power of the breath, and how just existing is one of life's most difficult tasks. Take a deep breath, because you're going to need it. Here we are, another episode of Woke Wogs with, hmm, how can I lay this special individual up? Uh, She definitely is somebody that surfs the dance floor. I would call you a breath specialist, <laughs> that's the best work I can do, but I've also donned you with an unofficial nickname, Miss Sesh, which I'm sure the listener can potentially put their projections on, but more than anything, Julia. Jules. Jules. Yeah, Jules is good. Jules. Welcome to work. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Last night when I was doing a community sesh, someone came up to me at the end and was like, thanks, Sesh. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, mm. that's your name, Sesh? I'm like, no, no, it's Jules. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, you can call me Sesh. Sesh is fine. If you guys want to call me Sesh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm glad we need to colour in for the listener. Jules runs uh, an event every Wednesday in a community event called Breath Sesh. Yeah. She <laughs> potentially has had a Sesh once upon a time, I would assume, with that base face that mm. I yeah, first connected with you all about. It was you actually feeling oh, do it for me. the beat. Oh, I can. <laughs> it's, just, it's just this furrow of the brow and I know the listener knows this, that when you're made or when a beat comes in, you're just like, that's nasty. Like you were disgusted with it but you're so happy it's happening. And Jules, you do that when you're really feeling something mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing it right now just mm-hmm. as you said that. When someone speaks truth, I'm like, Oh, just needs a moment just for the silence to to make it amplified. Mm. And music has just been a big part of my journey. Mm. So I, I feel it and it's just for me and I close my eyes and I'm just like, oh, fucking here for it. Can mm. I swear on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, you can swear on this podcast. Can I bleep it out? Nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I always like to... 
connected to it being a wog thing or something, like feeling things so deeply? Has mm. that always been something that you've experienced, like mm. feeling things deeply, mm. sometimes more than others that are around you? Absolutely. Like it's been a gift and a curse my whole life because as we were saying before, it's just just taking on so much of what other people feel and feeling so empathetic for what's happening in their life that you just become immersed in their problems mm. and obviously just takes you away from, from self, from you. So it, in that sense, it's been, it's been a curse for me just, just in regards to, yeah, feeling like I need to fix everyone and help everyone because Jules has got the answers, mm. you know, from a very young age creating safety for people, showing up for the people that perhaps were bullied in school. It's like, you know, standing up for, for, the, for the person that was pushed to the side, always that individual mm. wanting to be the strength for someone else and sometimes just not being able to show up for myself in that as mm. well. So, yeah, it's been a common theme for me in my life feeling deeply and, and feeling for humanity and feeling for for the individual because I can see myself in that person. I don't think I'm better or worse than you. I'm just, I'm here with you. And mm. I think that's that's where the gift is for me. Yeah. Proper compassion. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I made a quick assumption when we became Instagram friends and <laughs> once your last name went past six letters, I just was like, you're Greek. I was like, yeah. You definitely agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Uh, Give it a shot. I just know it starts with a B and there's a <laughs> Doppelus somewhere. <laughs> but I asked that question because, you know, that had very strong roots mm. and whatnot. Is that, like paint that picture for us. Was that where you get this deep feeling from? Because for me, the reason why I feel so deeply be so energetic and whatnot because that comes from my family, that mm. comes from my dad that, as I was telling you before, we didn't have doors basically growing up. Everyone was in everyone's mm. business and everyone was trying to be there for everyone else mm. by themselves. Yeah. Yeah, from my perspective, <clears throat> coming from a Greek and Italian background, just like hey. fully, <laughs> fully fucking in it with the, with the WOG thing, um, the values that come from being a part of these kinds of families are just so deeply ingrained. And in that it's also been a curse and a gift because of the sense of community and family, the, the loyalty that I felt mm. within my family bases has been a foundation for, for safety for me. It's like these people love me and are committed to me and are here for me and want to support me and just – it's just like completely, you know, open for me to 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 be to be an individual. But on the back end of that, also feeling like they didn't get to be individuals. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, so like paving the way for me to be an individual and have everything I need because my parents came from a place of their parents are coming to this country, had fucking nothing and had to make it for themselves, they were different in Australia. So they had to wear a mask. They had to look a certain way and sound a certain way. Like don't be too woggy and don't, don't share who you really are because you're going to be judged. My grandparents definitely came to this country feeling that way and 
that rippled on to my parents and I know they've lived in this like don't share yourself too much but having such a deep foundation of love and hmm. and wanting wanting to open wanting to share so in that I've I've taken on both aspects of like hmm. <laughs> you know, sharing, sharing who I am and having, having the safety and stability to then be able to do that, but also not wanting to and particularly deriving a lot of what I feel and who I am from my dad. It's like masculine figure that's just a teddy bear, but, you know, in that as well, like just don't show your emotions, don't, don't open up. You're going to be judged. You have to be the strong one, you know, and me like also taking that on in my life. It's been, it's been confusing for me to work through and navigate. Um, I feel like I've kind of lost my way in this No, I think question. I'm absolutely loving where you're yeah. taking it. Speaking to the gifts that our parents give us, as you said, the ability for you to explore yourself in safety, everything that they didn't have mm. to give you that platform but then also passing on that feeling of don't share yourself, <laughs> hold back, and that wanting you to be safe more than anything because of their experience projecting onto you that if we share ourselves too much, we'll be judged, we'll be ridiculed, especially back in their day. And this comes back to the word vulnerability. And the etymology of that is it's an open wound. And that's the fear of vulnerability, especially for men or anyone coming to a place that they don't know anyone in. It's like when I'm vulnerable, I'm showing you my wound. Mm. That's the last place that I want to get to. Then the weirdest thing is, or the thing that I've experienced, especially through reading Brene Brown, Flats Tick, is that vulnerability is also the gateway to opportunity. Mm. And in that all the magic happens. (laughs) But not back in their day. Yeah. So it's also fair that they have that projection and that we need to decipher between that and how do I take what, the gift you've given me but also leave one under the tree. Mm. It feels like my purpose is to transmute all of that and share and show and open up conversation mm. and, and just be an example of, hey, you, like, you get to show who you are. We want to see who you are. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's my job for them, I feel. Fucking oath. It's the evolution I am meant to evolve from my parents consciously and in every other way. Mm. I'm meant to one-up them, not to be better, but to continue the lineage in that direction. Mm. And I think that's something that maybe is lost within the disconnection from lineage and whatnot, but the returning home to Mm. the family and saying, here, here's what you didn't have and what I got to find because of what you gave me. That's such a deep part of my mission and purpose is to show my family hey like you can be yourself and do this and create this it doesn't have to look like this and I want to share that with you yeah and I I feel an urgency in that every single day to to show that in some way with Mm. my family it's beautiful yeah absolutely difficult Yeah, moving back home has been a test but necessary. I moved out because I I needed to spread my wings and then came back home because it felt like there needed to be more 
I needed I needed to heal this part of me so that when I left, I left for good, but I, it, I was good there. You know, I, I created safety there. I needed them to know that I loved them completely as they are because as a person that, that in their eyes has so much difference, so alternative <laughs> for a wog, in that there can be resistance as well. It's like, oh, you think you're better than us because you do all these different things and whatnot. It's just not the case. And just me just wanting to share and show, hey, I love you. Like, just as you are, I accept you for where you're at mm. on a conscious level. How do you hold yourself in that? It takes listening and compassion and awareness, complete and utter awareness and being non-reactive. That's what I've learned, coming back into that space, being triggered as fuck <laughs> and then being like, I get to be here. There is support and safety here for me to grow and to heal these wounds so that when I'm out in the world, you know, I, my, heart, my heart feels whole in this place with my family. Answering your question, it's, it's always about awareness and understanding, understanding someone's level of consciousness. This person is in this place. I understand. I'm not here to try and prove to you. I know who I am, you know, and, and you can't see that because I've gone through this growth and you haven't, maybe you haven't come with me, but that's okay because I accept where you're at. And I, I don't need to try and change you. Mm. And I think there's a deep level of pain in holding that space. Like sorrow and longing to like want them to be where you're at. Like see the world how I see the world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's because I, I sit there and I also realise it's also within the stillness and just within the practice of just being that, mm. that then I've then received the love and the recognition from the family, from not reaching, going, look at what I've done, just being what I've done. Mm. Then within that, they've gone, hey, it's yeah. amazing what you've done. Yes. And it's like, oh, shit, I didn't need to project it out there, mm. yell it out there, reach for it, mm. that need as as it feels, like, please see me for that. Uh, it's not about what we say, it's what we are being and in that we are noticed the most. Just existing. Yeah. 100%. In anything, in everything actually. The moment you just stop, I think, yearning or craving for attention. I mean, you just have it all, right? Mm. <laughs> it's been my experience in life. It's like, it's going to do me. I don't really give a fuck, you know. That's it. <laughs> I, I, I don't need you. And in not needing you, we get to we we get to have fun together, and there's truth in that. Because I'm good on my own, like I'm, I'm good. I could spend the rest of my life in a mountain by myself, you know, in a cave, and I'm good. Like I've had that urge to be in that place. So any interaction is like, I just want to have fun. I, mm. I don't want anything from you. Can, I can create all of the things I need for myself. Yeah. I don't know which meme I saw. But it says <laughs> everything goes into everything. And what mm. we're saying here even comes into the conversation we had before jumping on here. 
which is the way we look and whatnot and mm. you know, acquiring a certain body to be a certain attractiveness and the toxicity in trying to feel wealth in that outside appearance. And it was when I was in Vietnam and I was hairier than I'd ever been. <laughs> I was overweight for sure for what I thought overweight was, wearing the most ridiculous clothes, but I was feeling it, yeah, feeling just such a deep centre and a stillness. And I was more attractive than ever. ever. Like mm. I had more connections that I've ever had before in a sense of having people come towards me. And I was like, whoa, what is it? And it's, yeah, it's that feel good, look good policy. I'm feeling whatever this is and I'm happy with where I'm at, therefore people start to attract. Mm. Yeah, it's... <laughs> so it's the base face. <laughs> it's <coming. laughs> We're going to have a boogie after this. I don't know. It's just going to happen. It's got to be some music or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's constant for me, that face. It's <laughs> Speaking of pastures where sport was the thing and that's what you thought you were going to be. I would love to understand like that version of you mm. and what was happening there to bring you into now and how you're being in this iteration of self. Because mm. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. And I did the five free classes on your yeah. email. <laughs> yeah, and I heard, I heard things. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up with, with a brother that was just obsessed with sport, all kind of sport and Obviously, naturally, we just we hung out and we spent, you know, so much time together in the backyard playing sport. And I had to beat him. Like I had to be, I had to be better than him. And he was fucking amazing. You know, he was stronger than me. And he was, yeah, we, he was an athlete. And he trained me from a young age to, like, unconsciously be this this killer in sports. In any kind of sports, it just dominated. And that's not coming from a, a place of ego. It's just like, it's just fucking facts. I was, I was trained from a young age to dominate in all sports. Like my ability to be, yeah, like hyper-focused and just this, this bullet that had unwavering confidence on the field it it just it took me in a path and it was where i learned to be and express in life and i just attached myself to that from a very young age i was just the sporty girl in primary school i'd win all the awards and was playing with the boys and all of that you know and took that on in high school when i got to high school i was just uninterested in school that nothing felt true to me Nothing felt worth paying attention to when I was listening to the teachers. It felt like they didn't they didn't really live what they were sharing. And so I was just disassociated from from any kind of academic um, endeavor. I was focused on what felt true and that was sport because I was present completely. I was so fucking present in sport and I was playing and I was having fun and I was being silly and I was focused and I was good at it, you know. So I, I just took that and I and I rolled with it and 
I got better and I was a ball kid for the Australian Open and I played footy, won best and fairest when I was in under 18s, I was 12. I was playing tennis for a while and basketball, all of the things. And then I found soccer and I was just like, mate, like, <laughs> been playing with my brother, but on my first game of outdoor soccer, I scored a hat trick. And I was like, this is piss easy. Like, why is this so easy? Like, my level was just here in comparison to the girls that I was playing with. And I was like, I found my groove. Like, I found my thing. This is my thing. I'm good at this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a soccer player. Like, I'm just going to excel. This is where all of my attention and focus is going to be on. I couldn't wait to finish school so I could go to training and be with my friends and play and hang out. And, yeah, I was just a really happy, bubbly kid that loved to play and sport was my place for that and everything else just didn't matter. You just didn't care about anything else. Um, just wanted to be out in the dirt, out in the mud, get getting dirty and, and yeah, just playing with people. You, you understand mm. how much I fucking loved it. I can it, see it. It's because it brought so much <laughs> presence to me. It, it also became a place of safety where I could converse with people and share and build relationships. So there was depth to it as well. It wasn't just like playing sport. It was community. And, yeah, I got into MPL. I was playing at Bulleen and I was starting to experience chronic pain in my ankle and just pushed it aside. Like I just didn't want to feel it because this is my thing, right? Like this is what I'm good at. I can't stop playing sport. What happens when I stop playing? I need to play like for my sanity. And so I just pushed it to the side, didn't take care of my body. It was just like training three times a week, had a game as well. And yeah, I was like, had in my mind, I'm going to be a soccer player. I was in year 12 and I wasn't really focused on school. Like kind of was thinking about doing photography, but I was like, I'm going to be a soccer player and this is what I'm doing. I'm going to make it. But at this time I was just dealing with pain, chronic pain. When I would walk, I would feel the pain constantly. Like every step I took, I would feel pain. And it was so debilitating and depressing to experience that. And I, I feel like I experienced that for a good like two years before I actually took action on it. And I didn't take action because of that attachment because I knew that the injury was so bad because it was so deep and so, yeah, just painful on a daily that I, I just didn't want to look at it because if I looked at it, then I would have to deal with it and take responsibility for it. But then it got so bad where I was just, I was not, I was disassociating from my reality. I just, I would be hanging out with my friends and I would be like, do you guys like? Do you guys feel this? Like it doesn't feel real. Like I can't see properly. I was just completely avoiding myself and and what was happening in my body and what was true and what was present for me. I was just completely removed from reality. And when I got to that place, and and they were like, "What the fuck's wrong with you, Jules? What are you talking about?" Like I was just like, "Oh, I'm like I'm fully. I'm just depressed. I just I I'm not here anymore." I just, I just don't want to be here anymore. When I got to that place, I was like, okay, I got to do something about this. And prior to 
to taking action and really seriously looking into what was wrong with my ankle. I was seeing physios and chiropractors and, you know, all of the practitioners, every practitioner under the sun I was seeing and no one could tell me what was wrong with me. They couldn't get to the root cause and that was frustrating me. Mm. It was it was triggering me because I'm like, I, why aren't I getting better? Mm. I'm just going to give up. I don't give a fuck about this anymore. At this point, I wasn't playing, I wasn't training, but I was going to training and I just... I was just watching my teammates play and it was, it was killing me. It was, it was so difficult. I remember crying, just like trying to do exercises that the physio was giving me on the sidelines and just, mm. just feeling the distance. Like they're there, I'm here, you know, the physical distance as well. And so I was like, mom, I need surgery. Like, please, I need this pain to go away and just, I just want it gone now. Please just take it away from me. I can't be present in anything in my life. Like, it, And, yeah, we just we decided that's it. I need surgery. They told me I had torn ligaments and, and that I would need surgery. So I was like, okay, I believe it. I guess so. I guess I need that. So I'm going to do it. This is the only other option I have now because no one can seem to tell me what the route is. So let's just go in and, and fix it. And... In that moment, I, 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 I realized when I made that decision, I was, yeah, just giving, I was, I was giving away my freedom and connection and trust in myself, in my body to heal. Was there two voices going on? Was yes. there the fear mm-hmm. of I need to do whatever they tell me to do and yes. we need to go to the fucking Hilton here and just go hard? Yes. And was there a deeper knowing of just deep rest and whatever else yes. your body was telling you? Yep. Deeper knowing of I need to pay attention to myself and be with myself and sit with myself genuinely and this natural aversion to that and just being like I want it gone now, hmm. give it to me now. I want to be a spoiled little brat. I don't want to take responsibility for myself and my body and my life. I didn't know how to, you know, mm. and just having compassion for myself, you know, not calling myself a brat. But it, I felt like I had always had everything I needed and was given all of the opportunities I wanted. And so when something wasn't going right for me, it was like I want it now, I want it gone now. Give it to me now. So that was that was playing out in this as well. And so I, I got it. I got what I wanted, and I had surgery and had an ankle reconstruction. And I didn't fully understand what the process of recovery was for that kind of a, a, a surgery. And on the back end of getting it, it all hit me. It was just like, oh wow. I forced myself into this place of deep rest and recovery. And now I have the physical challenge of learning to walk again. And that was, that really sent me into a spiral, into a really dark place. (laughs) Like, oh my God, now I really can't play sport and soccer. I have this like period of recovery where I, it's slow progress, like, baby steps, more movements, and it was like I'd come from go, 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 play, you know, being a whiz, it's a little to no movement at all, and it was just like it was 
polarizing for me. And yeah, in that space and time where I was recovering, I was I was by myself in my room, separated from society, wasn't a part of community, wasn't working, just yeah, completely alone. And in hindsight, I created that for myself. I did. I wanted to get to that place mm. of no commitments, just being intensely with self. At the time, though, it was, I'm the victim, poor me, fuck the world, mm. why me, all of this shit, you know. I was constantly in this negative cycle and loop and I couldn't see a way out. It was like, why does the world hate me? I was going to be this soccer player and now I, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm no one. Mm. I'm a no one. What's the point? What's the point in being alive? I don't want to be here anymore. And got to that place, suicidal thoughts. And when I got to that place, I was just like, give me more distractions. Hmm. So I went to drugs, Tinder. <laughs> Tinder, I like connected with someone. We were relating for a year. Deep connection. But it, it enabled the drugs hmm. and the partying. And I was like, I'm not dealing with my recovery. I'm just going to go fucking hard and distract myself. And because I wasn't feeling for so long, the drugs gave me that that feeling of, mm. oh, oh, my God, I'm alive again. And so I went deep into that world and mm. drowned myself in all of the highs, all of them, sex, partying, instant gratification. Just I, I again wasn't taking responsibility. Mm. It was like still pushing it to the side and – I remember being at a doof and it getting to a place of like, this is quite graphic for people, but I was like in the toilet store shitting and vomiting at the same time. And I was like, this is, no, this is it, Jules. This is really sad and I need to take responsibility. This is time. This is your time. Like you've, you've really pushed it to the edge and I personally come from a place of extremes needing to take it mm. so fucking far. I'm going to be the best at something. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, yeah, explore the ins and out, outs of something before I can fully understand it. And I and I did with that. It's like, let me get to this place of like, I can see myself doing heroin and I want that. What is that? You know, let me get there and let me go on the hero's journey of finding my way back out. Mm. <laughs> and I wanted to get there. My soul wanted to be at that place at such a young age. So I knew that path. So I could remember, hey, you were there. Let's find a way out. And it was from that place of like hitting rock bottom, obviously, where questions started to come through. And it's always questioning. It's the curiosity. It's, why don't I just try? Mm -hmm. Tell me. When was that first moment where you can remember a question coming in. Yeah, in the toilet store for me. That has a, like, pivotal moment for me in my life of being in – I remember being in there and being, like, looking in the mirror and being like, holy shit, I'm so spaced out. I'm so high right now and I feel disgusting. I just look like a rat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at my lowest. And you wanted to get there, though. I wanted to. You were running I, there. I, I was, Yeah. I wanted to be there. I wanted to follow what everyone else does so I could see that that wasn't true. 
hmm. for me. And I think that's a story for a lot of people. And I guess where I come in is like, oh, you don't have to let it get to that place. But in that moment, yeah, I, ju I just, I went fully vegan and broke up with my partner and it COVID hit and I was like, I was needing support. So I studied a breath course online just for myself. Had you known breath work before then? Yeah, good question. I saw Wim Hof on my Instagram. I think that's an entry point for everyone. Mm -hmm. So Wim Hof doing ice baths and I was I was hooked on that. I was like, I want to do that. You know, coming from a place of performance, high performance, I want to feel this sense of achievement again. So I, I did the ice bath thing for a while and, yeah, I did a bit of the breath work and it stuck for a bit. But then it it also just felt like I'm just replicating what I was previously attached and addicted to, which is like high performance, go hard, don't listen to your body, you know, pump it out, achievement, you know, go the longest in the fucking ice bath, whatnot. And I, it was just really toxic for me personally. So I had to put that to the side. I did a breath course and I learned different techniques and I, I just wanted to understand the whole world. But the entry point was that. And when I realised that I could be in the ice bath, and nothing was happening or I could do breath work and lay there completely without resistance to myself. I was like, oh my God, this is what people spend their whole lives looking for. This is what I was looking for. This is, this is it. Mm. The stillness and the silence, the not running away and connection to spirit. This is what we're all yearning for. So thankful uh, that you said the words resistance to self. The whole time you were speaking, that was the narrative for me, the headline, resistance to your body speaking to you, resistance to the rest that your body needed to heal, resistance to that journey then leading into complete obliteration. <laughs> reaching the highs literally and figuratively and then crashing dramatically to the point where you couldn't resist the voice anymore and then finding that place of, which you said last night, just existing with you. It has been a continual learning process of coming back to self and then feeling the resistance again mm. and being scared. And then fully surrendering. And I think in a person's life, the purpose is, the mission is to completely surrender, to come undone to the, to the truth of who you are, really, and to be in complete conviction and knowing of that. And not to prove it, just to know for yourself. And we're all on the journey of that. We're all at different levels and different stages. And I, I'm on a serious mission to be a guiding light for people in that. Yeah, when I hear you say that, I, I just look at my life and I'm sure the listener can relate. There's so many ways I can do that. <laughs> Snacking, mm. chatting, Netflixing, 
Instagramming, exercising, all of these tools that are great, but they can also just be shields from me. And then I sometimes come to the point of like, what am I really resisting? Because when I wait long enough, when I get into that existing, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that weight just lifts off me and in my experience in breath work and a lot of other medicines as well, but breath work was one of my first times of, well, I just broke through with my breath from breathing to a point of just letting go completely and then feeling the exhale and then the infinite capacity of love that is echoing through me. Fuck, it's just here. <laughs> yeah, you have you have the ability to tap into that whenever you choose to. And and for me, this realization of Losing the identity, losing the self, losing all of the physical things that I was attached to and just like being a complete blank page at such a young age, it made me realise like, oh, this is where it is. This is where you want to be consistently all the time, every day coming back to this place. And I think the world naturally is just hyper-focused on the job, the money, the relationship, all of these elements in life that we try to get perfect. And then the one missing element is, is the spirit. And that's the most important. And it's, and it's hidden. It's hidden in plain sight because that's the game. Mm. <laughs> and it makes me fucking laugh when I remember that. And so everything else for me is second to that. Coming back to self. And for people that are listening that are like new to, to this world and coming back to self, what does that even mean? What, what, how do I come back to self? Do I close my eyes? What do I look at? It's, it's the surrender. I think surrender is the best word for me to describe what that means. It's like allowing watching, just watching, observing. Something will happen when you watch. Yeah. And I think when you, you just pump yourself with information, it drowns out the truth of, of you know, what's happening inside and what wants to come through. We are mirrored in the algorithm of our phone when there's all that on our feed. How we, can we truly see our own profile? <laughs> and you're right, it's an interruption of the person who's watching the thought when I'm getting all this input, I'm getting all these plugs in from even just other people's stories. Yeah. Other things that are happening around me that again are pulling me. That pull is a thing that, that visual pull. Mm. Like a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, when does it, when does the place stop? Yeah. You know? Yeah, when I realise I'm the one who's pulling the strings. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. That's a good one. Mm. 
Nice face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so you've come to this realization of breath work. When did you go on the journey of creating your own technique and realizing how you wanted to do it in, in Jules's way and then gift that to the community? Yeah, I decided to go to a Vipassana meditation retreat, which I think Wim Hof and Vipassana are just, you know, the Extremes. spiritual, <laughs> you know, starter kit. <laughs> and, hard, and hardcore. Hardcore, right? If you're really, you're really wanting something, you go to those two and you're like, yeah. Went to a Vipassana retreat, 10-day silent retreat. You know, you spend… 10 days with yourself meditating for eight hours a day. The only focus is to be in meditation and to watch, to notice. Notice pain and pleasure and the relationship between both in, in that space. And once I was able to overcome my mind on like the ninth day, after feeling so much resistance, and wanting to leave because my knee was hurting on the fourth day, I couldn't sit for any longer. I was like, I'm going. Once I surrendered and let and and just let go, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna be curious. Let's just try here. Once I let go, I started to enjoy the process. And on the ninth day, there was nothing happening in my mind. Just blank. Staring at a tree, and I was like, oh, that's a tree. <laughs> it's a fucking tree. That's it. I'm in bliss with myself. Once I was in that place, I was I was able to connect. I felt like I was able to directly connect and definitely had a download. A really clear one. This is what you need to do. This is what you're going to call it. This is what you need to create. I was in the perfect bubble to generate an idea and I just couldn't wait to leave to create and start. It was from that place I just started. And after doing this this breath course, I knew about breath work. They specifically said at the retreat you can't do any breath practices. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So I was just, you know, in the practice of watching breath. And after doing the Wim Hof method, I was like familiar with that practice of intense dynamic breathing. So I had experience in watching the breath, pumping the breath, and all these other techniques that I had learned. And so it was just a natural progression from that point of the Vipassana of having this clarity of what exactly I want to create, how I want to integrate into the world, what it's going to look like and what it's going to be called to, to just start and go out there and do it. And, yeah, from that point it's just been – laser focused and knowing what not knowing how and in that I think starting a business in general is is a spiritual journey because it's an unknown and you have to surrender and you have to let go and I after having that experience of trusting self and my mind I wanted that for the rest of my life and I was trying to put myself in a position where I would have to constantly let go and trust into the void. Starting a business is the best way to do that. If you're looking to consistently trust in something higher than yourself, 
and connect to spirit and see magic happen on a daily basis, start a business or put yourself in, in scary unknowns. It doesn't have to be a business. But I wanted that and I wanted to commit my life to that after experiencing that in the past. And I was like, this is what I, I want to be connected to, source and spirit. And I want to do something that helps humanity and I want to be a guiding light for people. So bringing together these elements of creativity, naturally loving, connecting with people and, yeah, my experience in high-performance sports and just understanding the body, it's just, it made sense for me. It's like I'm, it's got to be creative and it's got to be like this and I, I, this is breath sesh, this, you know, this is it. Here it is. Let's, let's do it. Let's birth it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, there's so much in that for me. Uh, there's one being still enough to actually hear yourself and it takes nine days of taking away every distraction for the listener who hasn't done a Vipassana, doesn't know what it is, you're not even looking at people. <laughs> you're meditating for 12 hours a day. You can't write. You can't stretch. You can't do anything that puts a new thought in to completely clear the slate. And then in that, finally fully surrender and stop that resistance. And then it all comes in and it's what, Esha, this incredible artist, and a lot of the Stoics used to do as well, but go on long missions alone, be with self, go to a cabin in the woods, whatever it may be, remove from the distraction to then hear the self and then come back into traction, mm. into momentum. And then what I'm also loving is your magic is that ability to go, I'm doing this. Like what got you in? to that surgery, what got you into that cubicle at that festival <laughs> uh, is also your magic of getting you in and bringing out this breath sesh, this, yeah, this, this tool and this direct force, this masculine energy, this forward assertive, this is where I'm going, but then carrying the learning of being able to hold in the feminine sounds like it's been your deepest learning mm. to move into the feminine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The direction always felt like a guiding light for me. I always, always had direction, always knew who I was, what I wanted to do. I wasn't heavily influenced by a lot of people, never have been. It's just like always had that with myself. So naturally that's someone that's a leader. It's just so scared to lead and to be seen, you know? So breathworks allowed me to calm the fuck down <laughs> to then lead with this knowing and connection that I have. Yeah, being a leader. Yes, it also starts with just being able to lead yourself. Some of us aren't built to lead groups and whatnot, but there is for me, a challenge in leading myself because that, that's, that's my number one. It's me and me. For someone that this is quite foreign to, what is a simple ABC way to start getting into the breath? Mm. And 
yeah, how would you want to articulate that to someone so they can start this little journey of the noticing of the awareness? Mm. It's exactly that, the noticing of the awareness. That is the first entry point and you experience that on the five-day free mini course that I have. And I've particularly made it free and I've made it this course for people to watch, just specifically watch because without the awareness, then you, you, you can't notice what you have to change and shift. And that's what the breath is for. The breath is to move, to change, to shift. But if you're not aware of the things that you want to move through or change or, or move into, then that can't happen for you. And so for me, my process and learning is just like, well, I went on this like really deep, painful journey because I wasn't sitting and being and noticing and watching I was just running around and that can be the same for breath work. If you're using breath work as another tool to like fuel your addiction to stress, which it can be genuinely, then you're also missing the point. So watching is the first entry point, not even moving the breath. Just understand what is breath? How is it coming into my body? How do I breathe? Am I breathing dysfunctionally? And in that, what is dysfunctional breathing? Mm. <laughs> well, quite simply, you know, holding your breath, posture can play a massive role in, in breathing dysfunctionally. If you're crouching down or you have a desk job and you're just typing mm. all day and you're not, your diaphragm can't move properly, you know, that's a dysfunctional breathing habit. Breathing up into the chest, you're holding your breath throughout the day. You're mouth breathing. Do you wake up with a dry mouth in the morning? You're probably mouth breathing. So just noticing, perhaps for a week, maybe even keeping a journal. How am I breathing? What's the quality of my breath? And can I start to build a relationship to it? So then I can actively choose to move it and change it but let me actually watch it. Maybe I've never watched it before. Mm. And this is the direct reflection of your ability to receive and let go in life. Mm. Your inability to let go with the exhale, to have it be fluid. And perhaps you're not even, you know, you're not even breathing throughout your day. Inability to receive life. I like to perceive it in that way. So just noticing, am I resisting letting go or, or re resisting receiving in my life? Just watch your breath dance with that, mm. for sure. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's the one mechanism that we do unconsciously and consciously. Yeah. And it's, of course, it makes sense that it's the key and the gateway to become into full consciousness of self as well. But when I'm unconsciously not breathing, mm. or especially me as a public speaker, I always say that your energy, I don't always say it, it was gifted to me from somebody else, but now I always say it, but your energy introduces you before you do. Mm. And the breath is that energy. When I come up and I start speaking, this tightness in me, people can feel it. They can feel the closeness and hear the exhale of being honest and authentic, again, which you did so beautifully last night. And coming back into the breath, that exhale, as you said, mm. that surrendering to I'm feeling clogged up, I'm feeling nervous, I'm feeling short of breath. And that's okay because that's my indicator to exhale. Mm. I'm still in control, remember? 
I've got the strings. You've got the strings. Mm. Mm. So just what do the- you do in those moments when you feel that? Because obviously you speak and share it and your mouth breathing when you're speaking. Mm. I have many techniques. One is first coming into a box breathing technique. Like if I'm about to jump up and do something I really care about with people that really care about me, is normally the highest stakes events that I can be a part of. And I notice the breath is tired and whatnot and there's a scatteredness. There is a resistance to it and for my mind is distracting. And so I just come into the slowness of the breath. Um, yeah, painting a box with my breath. Three, mm. three, mm. three, three. And then in that I come into a question of what's happening and what am I actually about to do? Oh, actually, I'm about to fucking step up there and do what I've trained to do. And I'm actually not doing this for me. This is for the event. Oof. Like, this is showtime. Mm. And I come into trying to transmute that energy, come into a place of like, nah, man, this is it. I'm about to show and give and add and bring out in everyone. And I've got something to say. So that's one thing that when that aligns and I feel that electricity and I transmute that nervousness into a knowing of excitement to be able to do the thing that I want to do, that's why I've grabbed this microphone, I've put myself up to the task. Yeah, to fully step into myself and be seen and then it not even be about me, that transcends it all. And then other moments where that doesn't work, the moment's too big. Or the the thought of the moment is too big, actually. The fear has overtaken me. And what that happens in that moment is that there is now a truth in me that I am scared. And so in those moments, my way out but into myself is naming it. Mm. Hey, I'm really feeling a lot of nerves right now. Yeah, I'm really scared being up here. And in that surrendering, every time, it will open into why I feel nervous. Oh, it's because I care. I care what all of you think. And I care because this is an event, a message, a person that I really care about. And then I come into the room. And then everyone exhales because they could feel it as soon as I walked up there. I give them the opportunity to go, I could feel that. And I felt that. I feel what he's saying. Base faces all in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then I'll be honest, some moments I don't. Some moments I, yeah, I don't step into it. Even happened last week. I had a moment where I stepped up there. Felt really good, but then had a moment of doubt come in. Mm. But I was on the roller coaster too quickly. And I just used my tools not to get me out of it, but to protect me from it. Mm. And so finished, and I was like, that was great. I was like, yeah. I paddled my way to the finish. Mm. And yeah, I say that because it's important because some people can paint me with a picture of, oh, you know, this, that, whatever. But I'm always in process. <laughs> I know. Always. In every moment. Mm-hmm. And I think there needs to be this intensity of 
awareness in every single moment. So you are on a mission. Yeah. I might butcher it. Helping the world breathe again or it was something mm. like big. Regulate the breath of the planet. That's it. I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> this little cute Greek <laughs> Italian girl with a top knot who never wanted to sit still. All you're doing now is sitting in stillness. Mm. What an interesting thing that is. Mm. I want to show people that I'm not special or different. I think that's really important because once people put you on a pedestal, once you put yourself on the pedestal, you've missed the, you've missed the whole point. This ability to connect and be still and know, like have a deep knowing, everyone is capable of this. Everyone has access to this. The breath is the gateway to go into deeper states of meditation. And so naturally, I want to help bring awareness to the world of, hey, pay attention to your breath, even if it's for 10 minutes a day. Just notice. Regulate yourself. Come back to self. Go into the unknown. And then come out like I have and share your knowing. Mm. Share your gifts. Share your passions with truth, with vulnerability. Be self. Like just exist. That's my mission, to simply be, show that to the world and to do it in the most creative way that I can because it's fun. Mm. Why not? I want to have fun, you know? And I want to show you that you can have fun too and that you get to just be self and that's enough. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're being the mirror. Yeah, community, right? Bringing mm. people together. Reminding people that we aren't separate. Yeah, it's so important to be the reminder, to be an excuse for that person to remember themselves. When we truly understand that we are all the same, it can really alleviate my own neuroses, judgments, stories, people who have pained me along the way. It's a deep healing when I realise that I am you, you are me, and that we are part of that human family and in this moment, I can be a reflection to you for who you are and give you that presence, just in that awareness. Don't even need to say anything, really. Mm. Just see you and allow you to be whatever you are. And then in my interrupted self and resistance to self, somebody can be there in full acceptance of me mm. to help me unravel, exhale, and allow me to untie my own knot that I tied myself. <laughs> Speaking to like how breathwork directly impacts you and your life and, and the individual, it's all of the things that you care about, they aren't in alignment and they aren't flowing when you're missing the element of, of spirit and health, I would call, whole health. Yeah, to regulate yourself, right? So for you, for the individual, you want to paint a picture for yourself in the kind of world that you want to exist in. You get to do that. But that only happens after you go within and really realise, what do I actually want? Who am I? Who am I really? Or am I just painting a picture that someone else wants me to paint? Am I projecting an idea? Like, what is the truth for me? 
And that's when you fully step into self and you get to release and you, and you get to lead a life that's in alignment. And then, mm. then you become a reminder for someone else. And that's, that is my purpose is to show you how to connect back to self so you can lead a life that is in alignment so you can create greater change in your world, you know, speaking from a visionary perspective. Yeah, mm. the big questions in life. Why am I here? Who am I? Like what am I supposed to do? Who do I want to be with? All these things, right? What's my purpose and mission? Do I have a purpose? What is purpose? All these things. Having the courage to close your eyes and go within and ask those scary questions. The purpose of breath work is to create safety from my perspective in breath session in particular. Create safety to answer those dark and scary questions. Mm. And peel through the layers mm. because I might close my eyes right now and the first thought comes in and says, yeah. I might wait a little bit longer. Another voice goes, fuck off. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? And there's this whole audience of spectators on everything that I'm doing that I've all created, all these personalities. And another course that I did once upon a time, I was like, whose voice is that though? Who put that in there? <laughs> and you're right, within that is the existence with self. And I did your technique this morning. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I did the 5-5. Five five. Mm. And in that practice, in that patience, in that rhythm, I then got there. I was like, oh, okay. And that resistance, because I know meditating is really hard. And that's why I also thought as well, I'm like, oh, she's tricking everyone to meditate. <laughs> I am. That's you it. You are. I yeah, am. This is meditation. This- I'm following the breath. I'm focusing on the breath. I'm so in the breath that then I'm in the moment. Now I'm in presence. Oh. I'm meditating. Yes. Now I'm meditating. Now I'm meditating. Yeah, now People I'm- won't do that. Sorry to interrupt you. Mm. People won't do that because it's so confronting. It's like, I don't I'm, you know, thinking about to-do lists. I don't want to close my eyes. i got to get up and do this and take this person here and whatnot. So the breath calms you down mm. to get to that place of stillness. I'm telling you right now, every time I sit on my pillow, especially lately, resistance and 10 minutes sometimes of like, did I even meditate or was I just stiff the whole time? <laughs> or was I just ticking the box that I was there for 10 minutes mm. to say that I meditated and as soon as I got off the meditation, I went back. The Instagram, check who messaged me, <laughs> so connected with funny. that. And now I plug back in. It's like mm. I just took the phone off charge for one second and then plugged it right mm. back in. And it's important to get consistency and whatnot. But yeah, I really invite listeners and my future self to when I sit on that pillow or if I don't sit on pillows, whatever I do to come into presence, feel that resistance because that is what we're actually talking about. The stress that's in the body. The addiction to it, like I was touching on last night as well. And we're touching on addiction to stress. Like it's everywhere. Mm. And it is that distraction. It's that thing that takes you away and it just sucks you in and you don't even realize that you're in it sometimes for years, right? And so when you do have a glimpse of stability or, or calm from a practice, like I was saying last night, that beautiful part of your brain, the amygdala, that detects when something's familiar or unfamiliar, it's going to say, you know, I'm, I'm not used to feeling this calm and stable. I should probably do something else because I'm so used to stress. So I should probably get up right now and go and check my phone because that's safety for me, mm. which is so twisted. But it's such a reality for, for most people on our planet. It's like natural addiction to stress, which is also a mission of mine to help regulate people to then, to then, you know, shift the pendulum from addiction to stress to I'm consistently stable. And I notice when stress is in my life because I practice 
consistent stability and not that you need to check off a box, right, and practice for 10 minutes a day. I would strongly suggest you don't even time yourself and you just intuitively sit and feel and mm. be and sometimes you just be there for hours because you don't you, like you just want to be there and it's not because you have to but you get to mm. experience that with yourself you know make it sexy make yeah. it attractive make it attractive mm. there's so much passion yes because you feel it it's so important when we're giving things that we've given it to ourselves first otherwise we're giving something that isn't ours. Yeah, I've really gotten so much out of all of this. And I expected that because you do just trust. You trust the unknowing of the conversation to just take itself into what we know and that to dance itself into this Wogwogs podcast. <laughs> and so I'd love to, yeah, come to a spot of understanding, especially for the listener, how are you playing how are you giving this to the world mm. and how could they plug in to the way that you are helping people, helping the planet mm. regulate their breath? Mm. That's such a beautiful way to pose that question. How are you playing? I fucking love that. That's incredible. I'm in the physical world currently conducting free sessions for community to come together. And then there's a deeper form of learning and, and going within, which is a journey that Obviously, I've been on and wanted to accumulate and, and, and put into a package for people, um, which is my course that I teach online. And it's a four-week course and we go deeper into the breath and we figure out, are you dysfunctionally breathing? How do we fix that? What is a technique that I can practice every day? And it's a group course and it's something that I've been running for seven courses now and it's, oh, I just absolutely love it because it's a place where people can come together and speak and share, listen to themselves and also be in that group environment and, and be vulnerable to, to open up and feel that release and then also have enough autonomy to, to come back to self and trust self with the breath. That's why it's four weeks. It's so short. It's like you don't need to continue with me. Here's the thing. Mm. Go do it for the rest of your life. So that's a container that I have and that's an online course and you can reach out to me if that resonates with you and then there's also another aspect of breath sesh which is connecting to art and music and creativity mm. and I create events specifically in collaboration with different artists uh, to bring people deeper into their music and and their modality which has my heart and soul and I can't wait to just keep sharing that with the world that's called the sesh they are the fucking sesh <laughs> you know you got to be there you got to experience it and if you're a musician and you're listening to this and that that's something that you'd like to jump on, please reach out to me. Um, they happen sporadically. It's kind of more of a, a fun thing for me to do. The backbone of what Breath Sesh is is obviously just bringing people together in community and teaching people, teaching organisations and schools and, yeah, everyone how to regulate themselves to then regulate the breath of the planet. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for slowing me down. I feel like that's your talent. You slow the world around you through your stillness. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing your journey here on Woke Wogs and being a Woke Wog with the community <laughs> stamped. 
There it is. We don't have the thing, but it's It's happening. It's It's happening. happening. (laughs) Everything that you put down for me has left me with, yeah, so much appreciation for all that you do and, yeah, yearning for more investigation within self. Mm. And I hope the listener, and I know the listener, has so much opportunity with all the threads that you've thrown out there and Mm. I'll definitely put everything within the show notes for them to, yeah, follow that thread uh, or just be inspired by yours. Mm. Thanks for regulating us here on Woke Wogs, Jules. You're so very welcome. Thank you for receiving me and for allowing me to share my story with you. And, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. Well, 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 would you look at that? You made it to the end of this Wogcast. It must mean you enjoyed yourself. And if you want to support myself in this new venture, please like, subscribe and share it on your social channels. Thank you for all the help and support. Of course, I'll see you here next time on Wogcast.